Amen. Thank you, Sydney. That was absolutely amazing. And what a great, great song today to go with what I'm going to share. Give me a second. Praise God. Such a blessing to be with each and every one of you today. This is our first Sunday in a new series called Heart Matters. And um, obviously, you are all watching from home today on any number of your devices, computer, laptop. Um, We uh, had to, unfortunately, cancel our live service yesterday or Friday, I think is when we called it. Because of the uh, sheet of ice that's in the parking lot, decreasing temperatures, no possibility of the sun coming out from behind the clouds for a few days. And with all of that out there, we just felt like it would be best to let everybody stay warm and cozy and enjoy your Valentine's Day with your loved ones. And uh, thank you. We just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for tuning in, logging on uh, to our various social media platforms and seeing, hearing uh, this message today. We're excited about it. Pastor Jeremy did a wonderful job last Sunday giving us a victory DNA moment, talking about our call to engage the culture, the call of God to engage people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. I'm excited today for this new series as we begin. The title of my message in Heart Matters number one is called The Gospel and the heart of man. The gospel is really at the center of everything that we as Christians do and believe. Before I jump in, I just want to tell you that we're very excited about those that have been coming back and joining us for our live services. Uh, Record crowd last Sunday. Uh, We're actually, as a lead team, planning on adding back our second service come Easter. April the 4th, Resurrection Sunday, which is just seven weeks out now. Um, That's important because we're building our teams. If you're not serving on a team in victory right now and you're attending, then we uh, respectfully, and uh, as Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. That's a strong word for saying I beg you. We basically need everybody to be fully employed and to be on a serve team in some capacity as we come back and gear up Get ready for our two services. We'll only be having children's ministry in the 1045 service as we make that transition. But then our hope is a little bit later in the year to be able to restore all of those and have all of our teams fully staffed. We're excited about that. I believe 2021 is showing some great promise, not just because of circumstances that have begun to change. I just want to give God praise because of the infection rates that are falling dramatically. This week I heard reported that nationally it was down 19% in some places uh, up to as high as 60-something percent in terms of infection rates dropping. And so we're, we're very, very grateful for that, excited about what the Lord has for us in this year as we are able to return to some degree of normalcy. The title of the message this morning is The Gospel and the Heart of Man. As we talk about heart matters, we're going to be examining a number of different things from an Old and a New Testament perspective, from what it means to deal with heart disease and heart trouble and heart failure and um, a a joyful heart, a serving heart, uh, the abundance uh, of, of our hearts that animates everything else in our lives. 
And so this morning, I have a series text. I have a text that we're going to be using for all five of these. Pastor Jeremy will be sharing this message series with me. We'll be going back and forth. And um, we are very excited about what the Lord has to say to us as a congregation. The series text is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23, the New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The NIV says, above everything else, guard your heart, for out of it your life flows. King James says it this way, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Another, another translation says the heart is the wellspring of life. And so we need to recognize the importance of what we expose ourselves to. I saw a meme on one of the social media uh, venues this week that said, what we repeatedly expose ourselves to, we will eventually do. And that's a biblical principle because the idea is that what we behold, we become. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we behold the Lord in worship, and the Scripture says we are changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's important what we put in as a generation, a couple of generations that have been affected by the, um, the, the personal computer. We recognize that what you put into it is going to determine what you get out of it. Garbage in, garbage out. If we put in good things, if we let Philippians chapter 3 dominate our thoughts, that which is noble and pure and praiseworthy and those things which are right and true and of good report, then those are the things that we're going to get back out. So we need to be careful what we are exposing ourselves to, what, what, are com- what is coming in the, the, the ear gates and what the eye gates are seeing because those are windows into the soul in terms of how we are affected, the thought patterns that we think. Guard your heart above all else. It should take priority. Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. The one thing that I want to bring to you this morning, I use this little tool. It's, it's repetitive on purpose, and it's a summary of what I'm going to be sharing in the message. We revisit it. We go back to it. We say it again like a chorus in a song with multiple verses And it's for the purpose of your getting this. If you don't get anything else, you will get this one thing. The one thing for today's message says this. The gospel isn't about heart disease management. It's about the desperate place of being next on the transplant list for a new heart. The gospel isn't about heart disease management. It's about the desperate place of being next on the transplant list for a new heart. Now, I'm going to unpack that this morning, and I'm excited about that because we're going to be talking about the new birth and the new heart that comes to us in the new birth. It's um, very common these days in the rise of chronic illnesses, morbid obesity, diabetes, Heart disease. I I just happened to Google to see what were the leading causes of death, particularly among men. The top one on the list was heart disease. And then secondly was cancer. Thirdly, unintended injuries like a car accident or some other kind of accidental situation. And you're going down through the list. Number seven on the list is suicide. 
certainly something that I'm very concerned about. It touched my family five years ago. The gospel isn't about heart disease management. Many times when you go to the doctor and you hear that you have a chronic disease, it's one that you've had for an extended period of time, and they basically talk to you not in terms of cure, but in terms of management of it. They'll tell you, well, there's not a cure for this particular type of cancer, but we can manage it, and you can have a good quality of life. And sometimes we confuse, we, we see the gospel as a gospel so to speak, as it's something you just sort of take on a regular basis just to kind of keep sin at bay. And I want to tell you that the gospel, the announcement, the proclamation that Jesus Christ is king of all, that he is Lord right now, not one of these days when he comes back, but he's Lord right now, seated at the right hand of the Father. It's not about heart disease management, but it's about needing a whole new heart. It's about the desperate place of being next on the transplant list for a new heart. I've known people at times who knew that they were going to die if they didn't get a new liver or if they didn't get a heart or a lung or some other necessary organ. Two points I'm going to bring quickly this morning. The first one is this. The old heart is dead. The old heart that we are born with. Now notice I'm not talking about the muscle, the blood pump in the middle of your chest. I'm talking about the heart of man, the very core of your being. Some might refer to it as the spirit. Others might refer to it as the soul. And I think it's the place where those two are joined. The old heart is dead. The scripture says in Jeremiah 17 verses 9 and 10, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked Who really knows how bad it is? Verse 10, but I, the Lord, search all hearts. How many of you know there's not a place you can go to hide from the Lord? He sees the thoughts and the motives and the intentions of our hearts. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 4 talks about the living word that goes so deep and cuts so deep that it will separate joints and marrow and the, 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 the spirit and the soul and the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. In heart matters, we're talking about things that make not only an eternal difference in our lives, but in terms of how we temporarily live right now and the things that we're going to experience, the the patterns of thinking that are going to produce either fruit, whether it's healthy or whether it's rotten. The heart, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. I was just excited about getting this and I I, I failed to pray this morning. I just want to stop right now. I just think this is something we need to take before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to help us. I acknowledge my need for you. I'm desperate for you. I just, I know that apart from you, that I I am nothing, I can do nothing. You are everything. But Lord, I'm also thankful that I'm no longer apart from you. I'm joined to you. I'm united. I'm one in Christ with you. And because of that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What you've called me to do and to be, I am now enabled by the grace and the favor of God to accomplish. And I ask you today to open the hearts and the ears and the minds of your people. Lord, as they're sitting at home today with their loved ones, celebrating Valentine's Day, I ask you, O Lord, that you would give us the awareness of our heart condition. Show us what we need and show us Jesus, I pray. It's in that name that we lift this up. And everybody said, amen. 
The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. The old heart is dead. There was some discussion a number of years ago online on a Twitter thread between a couple of people that I have great respect for. I'm not going to mention their names. They're both national ministries. And one was quoting Jeremiah 17, and another one was basically saying, but yes, but uh, what of the new creation? Don't, don't we get a new heart? And that's really kind of the bottom line of what I'm wanting to bring to you this morning. And that is before we talk about the necessity of a new heart and, and getting that in the new birth, in the new creation, I want you to recognize that as victory, as this local church here, we embrace, we recognize that we were all born with a congenital heart defect. The word congenital means that it's an abnormality or a disease that exists from the time of birth. We came out of the womb twisted. We came out of the womb warped, created, made in the image of God. But because of what our great forefather did, Adam and Eve, and the rebellion and the high treason they committed against the heavenly father, there, is, there has been a genetic passing from generation to generation. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There, there is not one, no, not one that seeks righteousness or, or seeks God. And, and, unless he turns toward us and draws us, we don't have the ability because we're dead. We all have congenital heart defects. And theologically, we refer to that as an important doctrine called the, called the doctrine of original sin. David said it in Psalm 51, I was born in sin. We recognize that. Understand something this morning. We are not called sinners because we sin, but we sin because we are sinners. There's a distinction. There is the action of a sin, and then there is the nature, the sin nature. And those are two different things. One is the product of the other. And when I talk about a dead heart this morning, I'm talking about the nature that is on the inside of you. It is not alive to God. It's not alive to Christ. It is dead because of sin. And we have to be resurrected. We have to be brought into newness of life. Theologians talk about the, the Bible and the, the story of God, this great big narrative in four categories, creation made in the image of God, and then fall, the fall when Adam and Eve disobeyed, committed high treason, basically flipped God off and said, you know, we're going to do whatever we want to do. And then out of the, the depths of that depravity, Jesus came and rescued us. We call that redemption. He redeemed us by his own blood, by his own body on the tree, the scripture says in, in the epistle of Peter. But then that's not all of it. It's not just creation, fall, redemption, but it's also restoration. God intends to take us back, not only to the blessing of the Garden of Eden, but to something even greater than. And that's what we know now in Christ. The gospel isn't about heart disease management. It's about the desperate place of being next on the transplant list for a new heart. Point number two, and this is my last point this morning, but I'm going to take a little bit more time here on this one. And that is, the new birth means new creation, means a new heart. Jesus said to Nicodemus, those listening in John 3, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He said, except you be born of the water and spirit, four verses later, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So it takes a new birth even to see the government of God, the lordship of Jesus Christ. But then I must be born naturally of the water 
That is the water sack that we were in in our mother's womb. It's nothing to do with baptism in that scripture, but it's talking about the natural birth because right after that he said that which is of the flesh is of the flesh. That which is of the flesh is flesh, but that which is of the spirit is spirit. And so the natural birth is of the flesh. The the spiritual birth, the new birth is of the spirit. And so now because I've been born naturally into a human body of the water and now of the spirit, now I can not only see, but I can enter into the kingdom of God. He can be Lord of my life. Jesus comes into my dead heart and he makes me alive. Look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. Jeremiah was prophesying about the present condition of the state of Israel and Judah, the state of people in terms of their relationship to God. But one thing that's interesting there is that when Jeremiah was prophesying, it's still Old Covenant, it's still Old Testament. We've not yet had a major historical life-changing event take place. And that's when three crosses were on a hill called Golgotha on Calvary. And the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world hung in the middle, suspended between heaven and earth. And he said, Tetelestai, it is paid in full. The debt is paid. Jeremiah was prophesying of the present condition. Ezekiel looked forward to what would take place once that The the cross had affected all of creation. And he says this in chapter 36, verse 25, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I love that. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And look at verse 26, and I will give you a what? A new heart. And I will put a what? New spirit in you. And I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. A stony, stubborn heart is a dead heart. A tender, responsive heart is a live, living heart that's responsive to the words of God. Verse 27 says, and I will put my spirit. Notice it's different from the verse before, but it says it has a capital S, which is significant because it's speaking of the Holy Spirit. There was a distinction here between the the spirit of man in the verse prior and the capital S spirit of God in this verse. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you, he says, and I will take out the stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart in verse 27. I will put my spirit in you so that, in order that, for the reason, so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Hear the word of the Lord. In my state of spiritual death, there is nothing in me that has the ability to obey the commandments of the Lord. There is nothing. There's no ability whatsoever. It can't be done. It's impossible. But now, Ezekiel prophesies of a coming day when the Father himself says, I will wash you and make you clean, and I will take your filth away from you. And it's not just going to be an external cleansing on the outside that makes you sit up and look good in a religious setting, but he says, I'm going to do something on the inside of you and give you a new heart and a new spirit. I'm going to put my spirit on the inside of you. Mm. Hallelujah. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees. Now, because I have been graced, I have been favored, I have been filled with his Holy Spirit, there is the enablement, the divine enablement in me to do what he has called me to do. It's in you if you're a believer, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. 
I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Saints, the cross has changed everything. I mean, if, if, if all we think of it is is just a plus sign on a hill 2,000 years ago, then, then really we're, we're, we're just going through religious calisthenics. There's something significant about it. The new creation has an effect. When Jesus comes into a person's life and they were dead, but now they're alive, something changes. The scripture says, that it is God, Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God puts the want to and the follow through on the inside of you, the will and the to do of his good pleasure. Do we actually believe in the new creation? I'm going to tell you, victory is all about that. I do not waste a lot of time haranguing and beating people up and telling them how no good, low downs, filthy worms of sinners they are. Because I'm going to tell you something. If I can get you to Jesus and you can become new in him, I'm going to spend my time telling you who you are now and not who you used to be. Now, if you've never trusted him as your personal Savior and Lord, don't just take this as a motivational, encouraging message because this doesn't apply to you. This is all about Every one of us who have crossed that line of faith and said, Jesus, save me. I desperately need you. My heart is dead. I'm at the top of the transplant list. Give me a new heart. Put your spirit inside of me. Forgive my sins. Deal with my past. Be Lord of my life. The gospel isn't about heart disease management. So much of religion is just the gospel of sin management. Oh, let's just sort of keep it at wraps and keep it at bay. I'm going to tell you, when we recognize the powerful truths of what it means to be in Christ and and that the creator of the universe is dwelling on the inside of us, you can get victory over whatever you've been struggling with. That's the gospel. The gospel isn't about heart disease management. It's about the desperate place of being next on the transplant list for a new heart. In Christ, those two words, in the new covenant after the cross, The hinge point of history, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we're about to celebrate in about seven weeks. This is the very hinge point that all of history hangs on. He came, he lived a perfect, impeccable, sinless life. He he had to in order to be the sacrifice for our sins. And he laid his life down willingly in Christ The most powerful thing you can do is get a revelation of who you are now in Christ. Look through those powerful epistles that Paul the Apostle wrote. It's a phrase he uses over and over and over and over and over and over. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, 3. Y'all, there are hundreds of references of what it says who we are now. And when you can begin to live out of who you are now and not of the memory of who you used to be, it will change your life. I remember sitting with my family and looking through a photo album of generations past and my, my father and my mother telling me about those who had gone before me and some of them strong, brave, fearless, did phenomenal things. It may be ordinary in the sense of not necessarily, you know, discovering the, the, 
the, um, <clears throat> the cure for disease, but just fighting in battles and world wars and, and, and believing and trusting God when everybody else said it can't be done. Just the testimony of my grandfather, Jake Blake, from Mark Tree, Arkansas, and different things, and hearing the faith stories of how they trusted God and, and the Lord came through. And I remember them telling me about them and looking at me and saying, that's the stuff you're made of. That's, that blood runs in your veins. That's who you are. And saints, this morning, I want you to see that when we open the Bible, we're opening, opening the family photo album where we're looking to see one who died in our place and who was victorious over death and conquered sin and the grave and everything that the enemy has thrown against us. And this is the stuff that you're made of. Why? Because you're in Christ. You're in that family line. I have a passage of scripture here that I want to just pay a little bit of attention to as I close this message this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 is so powerful. Listen to this. Verse 1. He says, once you were dead. Notice the tense. It's not present. It's past tense. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Verse 2, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work where? In the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. If you have the spirit of Christ in you, that's not describing you. That's describing the unregenerate sinner that only has the choice of disobedience. It says, all of us, notice there are no exceptions, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 says. All of us used to live that way. Now, he's writing to Christians at the church at Ephesus. So when he says all here, he's qualifying that in terms of the believers who've trusted in Jesus. All of us used to, past tense, live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we what? Were, past tense, we were subject to God's anger. Hear this this morning, somebody. If Jesus is Lord of your life, God's not angry at you. You're not a subject to the anger of God. He's not ticked off. And he's not easily offended. He's not mad at you. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God, I wish I had 15 more minutes because I could stop and preach the roof off this building with these two words. But God. Remember Sesame Street, conjunction, junction, watch your function. This is, an, this is an interruption here. We were headed this way, but God. God stepped in, but God. Look at this. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead, there it is again, past tense. We were dead because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Let me finish this. Got five more verses. For he raised us from the dead. There it is. Our old heart was dead. He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That's who you are now. It's not who you used to be. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. I love it. God saved us by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. 
Verse 9, two verses and I'm finished. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. (laughs) Salvation is not, okay, you got enough gold stars. Come on in, I'm going to let you in. Peter, come on, Pete, let him in the the heavenly gates. No, 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 that's a sure thing. It's a certain thing. that's, That's a gift from God, the scripture says. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Last verse and I'm finished. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew. Everybody say new. Right there at home, come on, I know you're watching with your kids. Everybody say new. Say new, come on, new. For he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let me give it to you in King James. It sounds a little more official. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Because I have a new heart now. I was at the top of the transplant list. And somebody died to give me their heart. You know, it's a sad thing when you think about being on a transplant list and waiting for an automobile accident or something that takes someone out and unintended consequences or unexpected or unintended injuries so that you can get a young, healthy heart. You know, Jesus, what he did for us was fully intended. He submitted himself. He took upon himself our sin. He became a servant of servants, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. And the the consequences are this. He has a good heart. He has a perfect heart. He has a heart that's never sinned. He has a heart that has no congenital heart defects in it. He has a heart that everything works. His spirit is pure. It's right. And he says, I died so you could have this. He says, I'm going to put my spirit, my heart in you. Because the gospel isn't about heart disease management. It's about the desperate place of being next on the transplant list for a new heart. Heart Matters has everything to do with where I am right now in my relationship with God. Do you know him as your personal Savior? Have you ever crossed the line of faith and said, Jesus, save me? That's that's the powerful recognition of this thing called the gospel. It's not just a gospel where you take one every day just to kind of manage things, but he wants to give you a whole new heart, a whole new spirit. This morning, right where you are, whatever you're dealing with, if, if there is trouble in your heart, if there is worry and doubt and fear, if you're a believer, you don't have to keep that stuff in there. Let the Lord, let the Lord bring a cleanse. Let him just wash all that out. If, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and said, be Lord of my life, forgive my sins, save me. The scripture says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, you can pray it in your heart, but I, I, I think it's important. I think it's important to say the words. The scripture says in Romans 10 verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart this story we've talked about that God raised him from the dead the scripture says you will be saved 
whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I believe it in here, but I say it and seal it right here with my lips. So very simply, wherever you are, listening to this, viewing this, this broadcast on Valentine's Day, hear the word of the Lord. As you come to the awareness that you, you desperately need, God, I'm, I'm at the top of this transplant list. I need a new heart. Thank you that you've shown me that my heart is dead. I want you to come into my life and make me alive. Breathe into me, O oh Lord. Very simply, just pray these words with me right now. I'm going to pause so you can just pray it right there under your breath. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. I receive it. I hear it. I ask you for a tender, responsive heart. Do a work in me by the Holy Spirit. I lean into you. I turn from my past. I turn to you in faith, O Lord. I ask you to forgive my sins. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I say these words, Jesus, save me. I trust you. Say that again. Jesus, save me. I trust you. Lord, thank you for these today who prayed. I pray for a strengthening, for a refreshing, for renewing. Lord, as they begin to take a, a new step of faith into a new journey in you, help them to see who they are now in Christ, and not who they used to be. And begin to live out of now who they are because of what you did at the cross 2,000 years ago. We'll be careful to give you praise. All of God's people said,